Now, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning and welcome to the Thursday edition of the program. I'm Bobby Curran along with Tanner Hayworth. Between us, we'll try and bring you the complete world of sports. Pros, colleges, high schools, other sporting events taking place here with guests and giveaways. And of course, your phone calls. The basketball world uh, mourning this, uh, this today, the death of Bob Knight. The uh, a longtime coach at Indiana followed up that with uh, Texas Tech stint after having started at Army, and it's a guy who was just a fabulous coach, unbelievable tactician, great strategist, but also an odd duck. I mean, let's face it, when you're hitting a cop in Puerto Rico and throwing chairs across the floors and and uh, on video choking a player, I mean, there was some weirdness with Bob Knight. doesn't take away from the fact that he was a great basketball coach, Nowadays, though, I don't know that he ever would have been able to achieve the heights he did because there's way more scrutiny on college coaches now than there ever was, and rightfully so. I mean, I, some of the behavior, the, the player that he choked, Patrick Reed, who has since died, uh, was that was a really interesting deal. I mean, who would have thought? But that's, uh, that's what happened. Um, crazy. And Bob Knight never really, only later did he suffer the consequences of, of very odd behavior. And he was unrepentant. He said, this is the way I am going to do it. And so they bounced him out of Indiana University, which is unbelievable for a guy with his track record. I mean, he had maybe the best college basketball team ever, the undefeated 1976 team. Um, that was a crazy good team. And, uh, you know, what the heck? I mean, he's going to be revered and in some quarters, and he's also going to be disparaged in others. I just think that's the way it goes when you have something as controversial as Bob Knight. I still remember when Hawaii beat Indiana, an Indiana team that was pretty good, at the Stan Sheriff Center, and uh, Bob Knight decided to, oh, maybe it was at the Blaisdell. I'm trying to remember. I mean, it was probably right in that general area. But in any case, Bob Knight walked home to his hotel in Waikiki. I mean, he was a, an odd guy. He was so unhappy about the loss that he decided to walk. I think it must have been at the Stan Sheriff Center because it, you know, cause I don't think it would have been that, I would have thought it was that remarkable if he walked home uh, from the Blaisdell. And in any case, he was a different kind of cat. Uh, there wasn't any doubt about that. And uh, so we'll, we'll leave you with that one for right now. We'll probably get back to taking calls about it later. I uh, did want to get into this. Bruce Bochy won his fourth ring as the manager of the Texas Rangers, and the Rangers won their first World Series ever. I mean, you can say this. Was it the manager? Was it the severe talent acquisition? I mean, they just added guys... Every time you turned around between the offseason last year and then getting the pitching this year, I mean, that was really something. I mean, Max, just Max Scherzer. Now, he didn't turn out uh, to be a completely satisfying 
acquisition. I think simply because of the injury. But there were other guys. I mean, what about Jordan Montgomery? I mean, there were guys on that team. Uh, Andrew Heaney never did much, but they had they picked up really, really good players. Last year in the offseason, I mean, it was Corey Seager. And the guys they got, I mean, he, by the way, Corey Seager wins his second MVP, World Series MVP. What a player. And he's kind of one of those quiet guys. The conversation that was had yesterday about uh, and I thought this was funny because it's so obvious. They said, who would be more recognizable on a street in New York City, Corey Seager or Zion Williamson of the New Orleans Pelicans? Well, come on. First of all, Zion Williamson is a beast. I mean, he's 6'7", he's three, almost 300 pounds, and some people say he at times has been over that. He's trying to get it down to, to maybe a svelte, 265 this season. But if he can get there, I mean, the Pelicans are going to be a good a challenge, a good team, I think, maybe a playoff team. And that's not easy to do in the West. So we got a lot of things we're going to talk about today. And I, I just think that some of the things we get to about the World Series are, are really convincing to me. I, I definitely give Bruce Bochy a ton of the credit for that because he's just such a laid-back cat. I mean, they're saying he's capable of kicking somebody in the butt, but he's more likely to be giving pats on the back. And and players love playing for him because he never loses his rag. He's always kind of under control, and I think players really admire that. I mean, Corey Seager is telling the guy he loves him after the game yesterday. I mean, how's that? I mean, that, that doesn't usually... You, can you imagine a guy going up to the late Billy Martin when he was the Yankees manager and saying after one of those World Series, I love you, Billy. I mean, it just wasn't happening. Uh, he was not a lovable cat. Uh, but Bruce Bochy is. And and I think that's... And I actually think Torrey Lavoie, he's getting hammered for a couple of decisions he made. But listen, that Texas Rangers were the better team over the course of that World Series. And I think that's... While some people have t trouble accepting that, I think that's just the way it is. I think... The, uh, the Diamondbacks had a fabulous season. It just wasn't as good as the Texas Rangers when push came to shove. And they did this with both Scherzer and uh, Adoles Garcia out from game three. They had to win two more games to do what they did. They had to win two more games in enemy territory, and they did it. And they did it without a blink. That's uh, really something. They didn't get a hit until the sixth inning yesterday. I mean, that was, I think Zach, uh, I think Zach Geller had a heck, a gallon rather, had a heck of a, an outing. I mean, you know, he got a, a soft single and then it was driven in. Once that first run came in, I, it was almost like the, the, the floodgates opened. That was a terrific effort by the Texas Rangers. And I, I, did, I don't know if anybody caught this, but apparently... You know, for years, Bruce Bochy has, you know, has been kidded about his big dome. He's got a big head. And so they were trying to find, he wanted a championship hat after the game. And they couldn't find one that looked like anything but a beanie at first. He tried three or four hats, all beanies, sitting atop his head. And they finally, uh, as he got more frustrated, they finally found one that fit him. I thought that was that was an interesting deal. It takes a lot to get Bruce Bochy 
a little unnerved or angry or what have you. Uh, it doesn't happen immediately with him. I, I thought it was a good job. I mean, this is a guy who came out of alleged retirement to take that, that job. And he walked into the clubhouse with the Texas Rangers and told everybody, this team is going to win. Uh, the only reason I am here is because I believe you guys can win at a high level. And they did. And they played well all season long. They got shut out in their last regular season game. That's the only reason they didn't beat out the Astros. So they were one game behind. But they fixed that in the postseason in a hurry. That was, uh, I thought that was an outstanding, outstanding performance uh, by the Texas Rangers. They really, truly deserve to win that. I don't see how you could see it another way. If you have something you want to talk about, go ahead and, uh, and give us a jingle. By the way, we're going to have some fun tomorrow with Jay Jaffe from Fangraphs because we're going to try to find out in, in his mind and, and certainly with the Fangraphs metrics, was this totally the acquisitions? Was this managing? What led? Was this how predictable was this? And I think he's going to have to say not very. I mean, you know, two wildcard teams going at it in the World Series was interesting enough on its own. But to play as well as they did and then to have two marquee players out uh, from Game 3 on in the World Series, I mean, that was a pretty good uh, performance no matter how you cut it and dice it. Um, we have to take a quick timeout. You can win a $1,000 cash grand prize and $100 weekly prizes in ESPN Honolulu's Pigskin Picks, brought to you by M. Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market. Visit ESPNHonolulu.com right now to register. Welcome back to the Thursday edition of this program. It is my pleasure uh, to welcome Mark Rolfing. He is from NBC, Golf Channel, and most importantly, Maui's own, joins us now. Mark, how are you? I am good, Bobby. How are you doing? You're looking great in all the photos. Well, I'm feeling better all the time, but uh, there's days it feels like two steps forward, one step back. But uh, I suppose that's, uh, that's to be expected. Mark, I had called you last week. Because I'm trying to figure out what's going on between the PGA and Live Golf. It seems to me that the, Phil Mickelson seems to be the loudest guy that I'm hearing. Because he's just thinking that the Live Golfers should have equal opportunity with PGA guys to get points uh, towards, you know, all sorts of things. Ryder Cups and PGA uh, major events, etc., I, I don't know about that. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this is a 54-hole league with no cuts and tremendous amounts of money. I, I'm having trouble wrapping my head around that. What's your thought? Well, it's a critical time right now, and I think the deal is in jeopardy. Uh, unlike you, Bobby, who has taken two steps forward and going one step back, I think the Audi uh, PGA Tour deal is taking one Yikes. Hey, Mark, you're a little, are you in a rough cell area? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not in a very good cell Here, let me stand up. Is that better? Yes, that is better. Yeah. That's, all right, great. Yeah, so it's a very complicated deal. Look, it, it's extremely complicated. 
um, because basically what, what the PGA Tour uh, is going to attempt to do if this is going to happen is they're going to go from a 501c6, which is a not-for-profit entity, uh, and they're going to become a for-profit entity. And by virtue of doing that, they can take in uh, investment money from other entities. Uh, and the real complication that I see is how do you value the PGA Tours properties that are going to go into this this pot? Uh, that's going to be extremely difficult. Now, one of the problems, Bobby, has been the communication from the PGA Tour since the beginning has been poor at best, mm-hmm. and it's, re- it's really not getting any better. Here's what worries me. This deal has to be done by the end of the year. They signed a framework agreement that guaranteed that this deal would be done by the end of the year. So what happens if it doesn't get done by the end of the year? Because I don't see that happening. They're running out of time. If it doesn't, if it doesn't then I think it's going to be total chaos. Yikes. I mean, this is the last thing the PGA Tour wanted, it seems to me, is more chaos. Yeah, let me tell you who I think the key person here right now is, and that is John Rahm. Um, there's been rumors for really a year or two about John Rahm uh, and him potentially going to live golf. Uh, and apparently there's a lot of uh, talk and pressure coming from a couple of players there. I'm sure Mickelson is one of them. Uh, Brooks Kepka, I'm sure, is another one that are going to try to talk Rom into doing this. Now, as of yesterday, Rom, who had been announced to be on uh, this new tour that Tiger and Rory are starting, which is this sort of fantasy golf league thing, and then another complication. But Rom had been a part of that from the beginning. As of yesterday, all of his information was taken off that website. Wow. No more even Rom's social media. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to live, but I do know that he is going to be a kingpin here. And if you think about it, Rom is the defending champion at, at Kapalua. Think of the complication there uh, where Rom did not be eligible because he had left. Yikes. I mean, I... I think it gets to a point where it ought to be based, some of these things ought to be based on how good, how good you're playing, how well you're playing. I thought, I thought that Brooks Kepka was, his advice to his other uh, fellow live golfers was, if you want to be inv- you know, invited to all the big things, play better. I, I kind of, yes. I thought that made a lot of sense. Well, I do too. And I must say that I, I don't know, I, I was not the hugest Brooks Kepka fan, Prior to this, but I have become one. I think I think the concept of live golf is perfect for Kepka because he doesn't like to play as much as some guys. Uh, he doesn't care about the regular tournaments. All he cares about is the majors, and he has shown, uh, you know, that he can still perform at the highest of levels uh, by only playing sort of part time. Uh, most of the guys on live can't do it. Cameron Smith has lost his game. Not to mention guys like Kevin Nahn, Charles Howell, and just sort of run-of-the-mill, I would call, players. So none of this is good for golf. Um, Granted, we're only talking about a very, very small percentage of golfers, very rich ones, albeit. But this thing has got to get resolved, and if it spills over into next year, 
uh, and we're still arguing about it, and and players are being offered gigantic sums of money to leave again, I think you'll see some leave. We're talking with Mark Rolfing, uh, the golf analyst, and I uh, wouldn't be the same on Golf Channel without you or NBC. And, uh, and I'm going to get to you on Maui for, in just a minute because I think there's uh, some interesting things going on there as well. Let, let's, and more, more important things maybe than golf. Let, let's get to this. Aside from Brooks Kepka, is there, I'm trying to think, who else, I mean, some of the guys are like, Johnny, you know, the Lately's, the Bryson DeChambeau's, who I think is not quite in that first tier. I mean, Patrick Reed, also not quite first tier. I, do, you, do you agree with that, that these guys are they're just a tick off? I totally agree. Um, that's why I think Live Golf has gotten more traction internationally than they have in America. And that could well be the way this thing ends up, some combination of the PGA Tour still maintaining and being the dominant force in American golf and live golf having a bigger role internationally because most of the players that they took were older toward the end of their year careers. And Sergio Garcia and Lee Westwood and some of those players, Ian Poulter, uh, have more traction and more popularity around the world than they would in America. Uh, So it's a series of exhibitions. Bobby, it's 54 holes, it's no cut, um, it's all sorts of music and wildness to it and loud, and, and uh, it's a different kind of product. But is it championship golf? No, not by any means. Uh, my hope from the beginning had been that Liv would have to adjust and become part of this. I think the team concept has some, some good elements to it. There should be more team golf. Um uh, Players like playing as teams. America can relate to teams, and, and that's what I hope had had been able to be worked out. But it's not at this point, and it doesn't look to me like this deal is going to get done by the end of the year. Wow. And so everything is off then? They have to start from scratch if they don't get it done by December 31st? <laughs> that, that's what I hear, but here's the problem. Um, the PGA Tour is now desperate to do a deal. Because the Saudis have basically gotten everything they wanted. What they wanted was the lawsuit to be over so they didn't have to testify in court and show all of their cards and show everybody in the world where all this money comes from that they have. Um, And and they, they got a seat at the World Golf Table. They already have one. What the PGA Tour wanted to get out of this was money. And they don't have any of the money yet. So the, the one that I think that's in the worst position now is the PGA Tour because they don't have their money from the Saudis yet. If the Saudis are willing to play ball. Does this deal get done? I mean, is that the, is that the holdup now? I think there's two problems to it. One is getting the deal done and then getting the Federal Trade Commission and the United States government to uh, approve it. And, and that's going to be another huge hurdle, Bobby, because if you think about it, the Saudis are slowly trying to buy their way into professional sports. And if they could not only get a team, they've already bought you Newcastle United, for example, they, they have done that. Uh, it's a premier soccer league team in England. But if they were to get the PGA tour, who's to say that they couldn't then buy the Dallas Cowboys? Oh my goodness. I can't imagine you know, that. What, where does it end? Where right. does it end? Where does the madness end? I hear you. I mean, soon we're going to find out that maybe the, the Saudis own the Golden State Warriors or who knows who else. 
if they buy the New York Yankees, I'm checking out. I, I just, <laughs> I just got to say, I can't imagine some of the stuff that, as you start to imagine what unlimited resources can do for you. I mean, who's to say what's not for sale? Yeah, that, that's really very, very true. It's a scary thought for those of us who love sports as we know it. Well, what's your thought now about um, Phil Mickelson is saying he wants more of the live golfers eligible. They want ratings points. They want all kinds of things. Are they going to get some of that stuff? No, I, I, I truly believe they are not. And that's going to basically make it almost impossible uh, for the players on live golf to get into the majors. A few of them will continue. Mickelson's um, exemption will run out. You know, uh, you know, he'll get to a certain age where he can't play in the Masters as the champ anymore. Uh, but that only affects a few guys. Um, for most of the players, even a guy like Cameron Smith, who's really good, and, and I really hated to see him go to live because I thought he had a great future, in a couple of years, he won't be getting in the majors. And I do not see uh, the men on this committee, which are the commissioner of the PGA Tour, the head of Augusta National, the head of the Royal and H.U. Golf Club of St. Andrews. I don't see them creating an exemption category for a group of players that are playing for $25 million a week, 54 holes, shotgun starts. I don't see that happening. Uh, it really is. It's like a different game. And you mentioned, you know, the music, the whole, the whole uh, temperature of the thing is different. Yeah, I think you know what they're what everybody's trying to do is make the game uh, appeal to a greater audience, and everybody's going after a younger audience. I, I totally get that. I totally understand that. Uh, to me, the way to do that is to create more immediate results, as you well know especially young people look at their phone all the time and they want to have some results um, sort of instantly. They, they don't want to sit around for five hours and wait to see who wins and let alone that. But in golf, you don't see who wins after five and a half hours. because That's only day one of 72 holes. So I think golf probably is going to have to start looking at how do we show some more immediate results just like the NBA is doing now with an, with an in-year tournament that they're going to play. Um, that, that's creating more instant results for the younger people that don't have the capacity to wait as long for a result. We're talking with Mark Ralphing from NBC and the Golf Channel, and I wanted to get, I said I promised to find out who you think is, uh, is kind of rising in the game. How about this? Is it, I, I don't even know if I say it right, but Ludwig Aber. <laughs> well, is that close to say it right? Believe it or not, we got to the Ryder Cup, Bobby, in Rome a month ago, and he had changed his name. After all this time, um, we called him Louis Auberg or Ludwig Auberg, 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 and he announced to us that his name was really Obear. Okay. Uh, now I don't know why. After all this time, so now they're calling him Louis Obear, but he is really good. He is really, really good. And more and more, you're going to see kids like this coming out of college that are just totally groomed uh, to win immediately on the PGA Tour, Young, younger players. So, yes, he is good. But I will tell you this. As far as I'm concerned, the best player in the world right now is Victor Hovland. And if I had to look at a guy and say, here is your breakthrough player, 
for this coming year, I think it's going to be Victor Hoblin. And it could be by a wide margin. He's that good. Wow. I mean, he's been really good lately, too, hasn't he? I mean, he had a great he, last half of last year. He did, and he he went to this short game uh, guy who has really helped him out. He had the yips, Bobby. He couldn't chip. He couldn't putt. He was terrible. He laughed about it. We've had him on our set with Brandel Chambly and me a number of times, and he, he didn't really have any hope for getting any better. And all of a sudden, he, he met this guy that changed his whole attitude his whole technique, and now he's got the best short game on the PGA Tour almost, and I think he's the best player in the world. That's really something. Let, let me uh, get your thought on what's going on in Maui right now. I know that you stay close to that. Um, give us a quick update on how you see things. You know, it's, it's, um, it's difficult. It's complicated. Um, you know, we have a tremendous number of people that have been displaced um, by the tragedies in the Lahaina with the wildfires. Uh, that are occupying most of the hotel rooms on the west side of the island now, slowly um, they're being relocated and, and allowing for some tourists to come in. That's going to be a process that, that's going to take a while. And just the whole interaction between, um, you know, the people who live here and, and the people who visit here is a complicated one. Uh, but there are so many elements to this recovery, Bobby, that are difficult. Um, we have to build schools um on this side of the island three you know we've lost three big schools literally um so there's a number of kids now that are you know basically going to school online or in churches and in places where learning is not totally conducive so there's got to be a quick quick short-term recovery but long term it's going to be a complicated one um, the century tournament is going to be a big road i think it's going to be one of the highest profile golf tournaments we've ever seen in Hawaii. I think the ratings will be astronomical. All the best players will be here. Uh, and you're going to see some tremendous outpouring of support from the players, especially guys like Colin Morikawa, who has family here and uh, whose grandfather owned a restaurant in Lahaina. Um, there's just a lot of guys that have a soft spot in their heart for, for Maui. And um, it's going to be a great week. This, this will be the most important part of I think the recovery and fundraising effort will be the Century Tournament. Mark, thanks so much for the time today. Appreciate it. And uh, that's probably the best explanation I've heard of what's going on with uh, Liv. And uh, not too far off on Maui either. Thanks much. All right. Take care, buddy. Mark Rolfing from uh, the Golf Channel and NBC. And he, of course, is Maui's own. There's a new place to catch your favorite NFL games, the Lookout Food and Drink at Waikai and Ever Beach. Doors open early on Sundays at 6.30 a.m. Enjoy happy hour prices on poo-poo and drinks from 4 to 6 during Monday and Thursday night football. If your team is losing, at least you can enjoy the breeze, the ocean view, and the beach setting. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Thursday edition of the Bobby Curran Show. Time to give something away. How about a couple of tickets to the Rainbow Wahine Cal Poly volleyball match this Friday? And we got a pair for you if you should like to call in and claim them. And we're going to take the third caller from right now, and you will have those tickets. So give us a ring at 808 296 1420. And uh, you have to call in person on this one. And that's, uh, I think it's going to be pretty good match. Cal Poly has sometimes been very good. Not so much maybe this year as they've been. 
But I also think that this is a Rainbow Wahine team that's sort of finding its pitch. I mean, and that's they're dangerous then. And of course, Amber Ajidi, who I think has an excellent chance of being a repeat as player of the year in the uh, Big West Conference. So we'll see. I, I think it's likely. I, you know, you just see sometimes when the Rainbow Wahines decide they need a point and Amber Ajidi is called upon. I mean, she's something else. Um, good player, great player. I mean, no kidding about that. Go ahead and call. Third caller will get the tickets and uh, just give a ring. And Tanner is uh, anxiously sitting by the phone waiting for your call. Let's, uh, I have a couple things I want to get to in, in the time uh, we have remaining. We're, we're going to take a timeout pretty shortly. But what I want to get into is the coaches who are safe and those that are in trouble. And this connects a little bit to the cheating scandal at the University of Michigan. They've already fired a low-level staffer. Connor Stallion, is that a real name? Connor Stallion has already been uh, dismissed. So he's not going to be there anymore. But I just think they're going to have to make a decision on Jim Harbaugh. I know it's hard for them to do. The team is awfully good and all that. But Jim Harbaugh has always resisted playing by the rules. And I think Michigan, it's coming to a head, especially now that half, about half of the Big Ten coaches have now complained to the commissioner about this. What's going to happen? Can people just break the rules with impunity? And I think the answer, as far as Jim Harbaugh is concerned, is possibly yes, because he continues to stay on the dark edges of this thing. And let's say he's not admitting anything. He's making like he doesn't really know. Soon he's going to say he doesn't know who Connor Stallion is. But, I mean, it hasn't gotten to that quite this quite yet. But it may, and which is interesting. And Connor, you'll let me know, Tanner, when you have uh, someone to collect the tickets? Okay, thank you. And we have a couple of things here. I, I do think there's going to be a bloodletting in the NFL, and one of the guys who's going to be a beneficiary of that is the very same Jim Harbaugh. So he, here's what happens. The school could get sanctioned. The football program can get sanctioned. They'll fire low-level people who are involved. Jim Harbaugh will be moved on, and, and he will be untouched. That's how it works. It's crazy. But that's, I make a prediction. I just think the most attractive of the jobs that will come open is the uh, L.A. Charger. Uh, L.A., yeah, the L.A. Chargers. I think that's where I think he's going. I think, he's, I think Brandon Staley's going to be out because he's a weird decision maker and Jim Harbaugh will be in. People remember last stint in the NFL for Jim Harbaugh. He lost to his brother. I mean, and that, you know, and kept him from winning a title for the 49ers. But... I think that the Chargers, with the right coach and the right staff, can bounce back and be right here again. Justin Herbert's an excellent coach, and one of the giveaways here is all the nice things that Jim Harbaugh is saying right now about uh, Justin Herbert. I mean, that tells me something right there. I, I think that's where he's likely to end up. And he's kind of a California—I mean, he looks like a California boy, despite being a Midwesterner in his roots— but I think he'll fit right in to Southern California. That's my guess. 
So we'll see what happens there. Watch Cole Mouseoff as he sits down with Occidental College and HBA alum and track star Shane Kawakami, uh, Kawakami Williams with Grinds from the Surfing Pig. It's the latest episode of Athletes on our YouTube channel or ESPN Honolulu.com. Brought to you by Central Pacific Bank, Hawaii's best bank. Welcome back to the Thursday edition of the program. One of us, and this kind of ties in uh, to the Harbaugh thing. Of course, he's only going to occupy one NFL job, which I think is likely to happen because I can't imagine he escapes unscathed in this latest uh, of the various things he's been involved with. But there's other guys that are going to go, no question. I think the guy who's at highest risk right now could well be Brandon Staley. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers head coach has made a number of odd decisions. And I think with that roster being as talented as it is, I just can't imagine that that team's three and four. I think he's going to go. And you have a great quarterback, franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert. He's still on a rookie contract. And I just don't think that that defense is as bad as ranked 31st in the league. I mean, that's got, they need a change, and maybe a wholesale change. I think it starts there. Second guy I think is in trouble is Ron Rivera, and largely because new ownership has stepped in. Josh Harris is there. I don't think he's been a terrible coach. They just had a sell-off now because both of their marquee defensive ends, Montez Sweat and Chase Young, have moved on. I actually think Chase Young could really help the 49ers. Other guys that are supposedly in trouble, Matt Eberflus of the Bears, uh, Kevin Stefanski of the Cleveland Browns could be in trouble. Uh, I don't know what you think, but I think Bill Belichick could possibly be in trouble here. I, I mean, they're bad again, and I don't think Robert Kraft has the patience to be able to withstand multiple years out of the playoffs. That's my thought. Some people are saying Todd Bowles of Tampa Bay could be in trouble, but I would think ahead of him would be Mike McCarthy. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys have good reason, I think, to expect to be better than they've been. And I don't know, did they help themselves by getting rid of uh, Mr. Moore at the, as the coordinator? I don't know about that. I mean, I, I think you could make a case that he was maybe better than Mike McCarthy at this stuff. We'll see. I mean, I think that's a difficult one to call at this point. But he's not getting much of the blame for what's going on uh, with, the, with the Chargers, which is interesting. And let's, let's see. And, and it just shows how disruptive this can be when you make a midseason change. Because Josh McDaniels gets axed, and they name Antonio Pierce as the interim. And he immediately removes Jimmy Garoppolo from the starting lineup. That's now going to be Aiden McConnell. Or Aiden, is that right? O'Connell? And uh, I think that that's going to be a change maybe lasting the rest of the year. We'll see. But that's, I mean, that's immediate. That's what happens the first week that Antonio Pierce takes over as the interim coach. I don't think he's going to be m much in the mix to get the head coaching job there. But I also don't think the Raiders is that attractive of a job. I mean, at, right at this point. So we'll see. But uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't know if he's going to be with the Raiders next year. But if he, since he's been removed as the quarterback, 
I kind of think that could be a problem uh, for Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll see. I don't know exactly the ins and outs of his contract. All I know about Antonio Pierce is he was a pretty good linebacker for the Giants uh, in their Super Bowl year. He started every game that season. So, I, you know, that's nine-year veteran of the NFL, and he got his ring with the Giants in that 2007 season. Interesting stuff. I, I don't know if there's going to be a replacement for several guys. Todd Bowles, Tampa Bay, I, you know, see that bad? Doesn't seem that bad to me. But let's let's so the, they did start three and one, and he looks safe. Now they're on a three-game losing skid, and that could be trouble for them. I think that's quite possible. So we'll, we're going to see what happens with the coaching changes and how many of the coaching changes will be followed by major positional changes, like quarterback, for example. I mean, is Mike McCarthy, if he's fired, does that put Dak Prescott in jeopardy? Probably not. Although, when you look at the performances that Prescott's had, as opposed to Cooper Rush as the backup, not too different. I mean, they're really not so different as you might expect they would be. But that's just how it goes in this league. I also think the 49ers have helped themselves a great deal with the addition of Chase Young. How do they always end up coming up smelling like roses? I mean, remember last year at the trade deadline, they got Christian McCaffrey. How's that one worked out? I mean, that's a huge difference maker on their offense. Now, will Chase Young be as big a difference maker on the defense? Perhaps not. Because I think he's had, if I read it correctly, I think he's got 14 sacks in 24 games, which is good, but it's not great. It's not overwhelming. You know, it's not like the kind of number where you say, ooh, can't do without him. So that's what, I guess, fomented the trade, I'd have to think. And so I, I do think it's going to be very interesting. We're going to see a very different uh, coaching lineup at the end of the season. I don't know if there'll be another uh, coach dismissed in season. That's still relatively unusual and, and may not happen. But that's okay. That's uh, hang on till the end and then take your time finding the next guy. Although Antonio Pierce as an interim on the Raiders, I don't think that'll do a lot of damage. Might be doing some damage to Jimmy G since he's been pulled from the starting lineup. But I do think that uh, maybe O'Connell will be turned out to be a great quarterback. He looked good in preseason, but preseason's very different than what you're seeing now. Let's, let's take a look at uh, where it's going in the league. I, I just think I like the Miami Dolphins just because of the stumbles by Buffalo. I like the Miami Dolphins to win the AFC East. And I'll tell you something else. I think Tua is dead smack in the middle of the, of the MVP conversation right now. I mean, does, is he not the Pro Bowl quarterback as that stands right this minute? I mean, Patrick Mahomes has had some marginal games. I mean, some of the other guys, Josh Allen, I mean, the team with, uh, you know, or just a little better than a 500 record, I, I don't know. Is, that, is he going to be the guy? I can't think of another one who's worthy of that. That's probably going to be the end of that deal, I think. And so could Tua win it? I would love to see Tua win it. For all the grief he took about, oh, he's not a first-round pick and anybody who does that is crazy, i.e. Mike Tannenbaum, I, I'm, I'm not sure that, uh, that he's not the MVP at this point of the season, and which is going to be kind of a fun deal. All right, uh, Gary Dickman and the Sports Animals coming up next. 
And uh, of course, Chris will be, uh, I assume, back in his accustomed place at home. And, uh, and those two will carry forth today. Wonder if they're going to be surprised about the Texas Rangers performance. That'll be interesting. We, uh, we don't have a lot of time here, it seems to me. And uh, so we do want to recap, though, one thing that we had Mark Ralphing on today to talk about Live Golf. Tomorrow, Jay Jaffe from Fangraphs. Uh, we'll make room for the sports animals now. For Tanner Hayworth, from all of us at ESPN Honolulu, I'm Bobby Curran. Aloha.